Amen. Thank you, Ben. I'm very excited to get a chance to share um, some things that have been on my heart very recently and also some things that have been on my heart literally for years. Um, I have the privilege and the opportunity many times to uh, pick up a guitar and to have us all join together and seek the Father's heart. And um, I was asked by uh, Doug and other folks here to, um, to share some things regarding that and then also to continue with what we've been looking at, which if you've, been, if you've been with us, you know that we've been focusing on the Shema or the charge to Israel to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And previously, we've seen already the first three words in that. Um, I think it was Ben led us in uh, mind, if you recall, and then Doug led us in the word soul and exploring that, and then Ben also led us in strength. So I want us to think about the word heart and then also to think about worship and what that means for the body of Christ to come together and to sing. And just real quick, because I know sometimes there's a lot of conversation or uh, tension with the word worship itself because of the fact that worship is not only music that the body of Christ uses to worship the Father. But I want us to recognize with eyes wide open that it's a beautiful part of it and it's a significant thing that can shape and form our own hearts. So if I say worship, don't think, oh, John, our worship leader doesn't even realize that that's not exactly the only thing that that means. I do, I think we all do, um, but for today, we're gonna focus and consider and kind of tease out some of the nuances, the meanings, et cetera. Um, I had a conversation earlier, about a week and a half ago, with Mayor and Jeanette, and I jokingly said that for me to stand in front of you all like I am now, it makes me a little nervous, and I'm a lot more comfortable when I'm holding a guitar, so I'm gonna grab that right now, and uh, we're, we're not gonna sing. <laughs> I'm going to unplug this mic if I can. Just for the sake of thinking about the heart. So we could talk about this instrument very easily and think about the different components of it, right? It's pretty straight ahead. We could talk about the steel strings. They have a beginning and an end. They're very clear cut. I could take one off right now. Uh, we could talk about the body, the type of wood, the tuning pegs, etc., etc. But if we were to talk about the sound character or the tone of this or the voice that this has, suddenly the conversation changes and we can't just very easily pick it apart and say it sounds like this because of the steel strings or the body or the tuning of the instrument, etc., or how it's being played. It's the whole of the instrument. You can't, you can't dissect that nearly as easily. We could talk about specific details, but it becomes very subjective. The brightness of it might be because of the life of the strings or how dead they are. Um, the woods affect it. Some people get really excited. Mike and I were talking about the Martin Guitar Factory, which is very close to here. And um, there's a lot of people that think a lot about the particular tone woods that are used to generate and create an instrument like this. Um, and I've, as I considered and studied and, and looked into how do we understand the heart, I realize it's a lot like the sound of a guitar. You can't so easily dissect and isolate and compartmentalize this is our heart. Because we're not talking about physical anatomy and a hollow muscle on our chest, right? I think we all get that. Um, so let's take a moment and to start off, just to kind of get us engaged together, I want us to answer one simple question. And it's this, why do we sing? I want us to take just a moment, person next to you, et cetera. If you want to jot down your answer, great. If not, 
Um, I'm expecting that we'll have a very broad and diverse group of answers, which is wonderful. Um, but take a moment now and just answer that question. As the body of Christ, as Renew, why do we sing? Okay, so let's hear some of the answers. It can be one word, one sentence. Summarize, fire away. Um, we said to give praise to the Lord, share a God-given talent, to communicate with God in a poetic and melodious way, that it allows us to share togetherness and to bond together. Awesome, thank you. What else? I said, um, I feel like it's something like traditional that the church has done, like way before it was common for people to have a copy of a Bible before they could read to like pass along truths from generation to generation. No. Tradition. Mm, oral tradition. And I said, we're not dead yet. <laughs> <laughs> um, I feel like it's a different way to interact with the community with not reading the Bible. It's a different Awesome, yes. Beautiful you. You express yourself mostly. You feel good about yourself. And like this, uh, as we sing together, to, uh, you know, let out, you know, our feelings towards, uh, you know, what we want to express. Uh, you know, it's through the Lord, you know. Through the Lord we express what we, you know, want to say. That's what I think. Excellent, thank you. Two more. Scripture tells us that God inhabits the praises of his people. So when we are here worshiping together, we are experiencing his presence together. Absolutely. Yeah. Along the lines of just singing in general, I think it just feels good. One more right here. Her way of just praising God and even in her altered state, 
Beautiful, thank you. Yeah, it's, it almost seems like I could stop right here because we got a great, a great uh, beginning going. Um, yeah, I, I really am excited to, to speak about this because um, what you're saying are things that I've um, been dwelling on and encouraged by and am motivated by time and time and time again. Um, so I just want to walk us through a number of things that we see in Scripture relating to the heart. And then again, as we've already articulated in many ways, how it's going to impact us and how it can affect our posture as we enter into worship together. Um, There's a quote by John Piper. I'm not sure if that's going to show up here. Um, It'll occur later on if it doesn't show up now. And he says this, and it was, again, this was kind of in many ways already articulated. He says, the engagement of the heart in worship is the coming alive of the feelings and emotions and affections of the heart. And where feelings for God are dead, worship is dead. And you were just talking about the expression of emotion. It doesn't necessarily mean clearly that we're all going to paste a fake smile on and pretend that everything is awesome. Thank you, Lego movie. Um, but there is this range of emotion that God has created us in his, excuse me, created us in his image so that we can use what he's given us and created us as to bless and worship and uh, follow him. So let's start um, looking at uh, what the Bible teaches us about the heart in the book of Mark. In the seventh chapter, we see this interaction between Jesus and the Pharisees and the teachers of the law. And in many ways, it's a very typical interaction that if you read the Gospels at all, you see this kind of thing happening time and time again where there's this butting of heads, this, you know, uh, fight, if you will. And what's happening is Jesus' disciples have been eating without washing their hands. So it's an issue regarding ceremonial purity and tradition from the law and all these things. And the the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, they want to know why is it that Jesus would allow his disciples to do this? They're finding fault in the behavior or the allowed behavior, etc. And uh, keep in mind that the Pharisees would have been very intent on adhering to every letter of the law as much as they possibly could. And they were very, very zealous and emphatic that they were the set-apart people for God the holy ones. Um, So bear that in mind. And uh, so let's consider Jesus' response to when this accusation is brought forth. Um, I I love what he says because he has no fear of man and he doesn't really pull any punches. He's going to go after hypocrisy if it's there and that's exactly what he does. He calls them them hypocrites. He's uh, quoting from Isaiah and um, he talks about Israel's failed worship, basically. He says that uh, your worship is in vain, your teaching is but rules taught by men, and you're giving lip service, but your hearts are far from me. And before we get too carried away with like cheering Jesus on like this, it's a boxing match, like, yay, land another one. Uh, let's pause and ask the question, is he speaking to the Pharisees only, or is he speaking to the natural inclinations of the human heart, which would then be all of us as well? Is this a stern warning that we should consider carefully as we examine ourselves and ask God to, through the scriptures, speak to us through his spirit? So after this occurs, we have this interaction, and then there's kind of this debriefing where Jesus is speaking to the disciples, and they're saying, you know, uh, they're trying to understand what just transpired, and they're asking some questions. And um, in Mark 7, 21 and 22, 
um, Jesus makes the statement that from within, out of men's hearts, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance, and folly. So it's not a very heartwarming picture of our hearts, is it? The prophet Jeremiah writes of the heart, and he tells us that the heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? Again, super encouraging, right? So if we back up even further to um, the first book in our Bibles, to Genesis, uh, we find several mentions of the heart in the story of Noah. Um, If you recall, what initiated God's action and his judgment was that he saw that the thoughts of the hearts of people were evil all the time. And then it says that because of this, God's heart was filled with pain. So if you remember the story, he instructs Noah to build the ark. Noah obeys even in the midst of opposition and difficulty. He's worshiping the Lord with uh, woodworking. I was joking with my wife, Carrie. I said, woodworking didn't make it into what I was thinking of saying tomorrow. I just did it. (laughs) I've become obsessed with it recently. Sorry. So Noah worships the Lord through woodworking and uh, builds the ark. He obeys God. God preserves his life and his family. And he comes out after the flood and he's worshiping the Lord. And then we are told that as Noah's worshiping the Lord, God said in his heart, never again will I curse the ground because of man, even though Every inclination of his heart is evil from childhood. So we see this kind of undeniable negative aspect of the heart. The flood didn't clean it up and take care of it. Wish it did. It didn't. (laughs) Uh, So where to from here? Um, First off, just to consider as we come together as the body of Christ, confession is a beautiful place to start for the body of Christ gathering to worship. Um, I don't know if you've noticed this. This has been, I think, the biggest thing that I've seen as we've together looked at the Shema and the charge to love God with all that we are, that I could be wrong, but I think Ben led us in confession the first time, Doug led us in confession the second time. I'm forgetting, I know it was ringing in my ears whether you said it or not, um, but it is a fundamental part of a heart that is really truly surrendered and desiring to follow in the way of Christ. Back in 19, I'm sorry, not 19, 1757, a long time ago, there was a man by the name of Robert Robinson, and he wrote a very well-known and often used hymn called Come Thou Fount. And he speaks to the condition of the heart um, in a very poetic way, and you're probably familiar with the line. Um, he says, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love, here's my heart take and seal it, seal it for thy courts of love. A recognition that left to my own devices and my own natural inclinations, I'm gonna continue to veer off course and to get it wrong. But my desire is that you would guard and protect and have my heart, even though I realize I'm going to fail repeatedly. So let's move on a little bit from the negative and the dark side of things um, to what we can do about it, if you will. Um, So when we think about 
human anatomy in our modern age, we have a pretty clear understanding that the place that we store memories and desires and thoughts and all those things, those are all cognitive functions of the brain, right? Um, when we look at scripture, um, at least for much of the time, they didn't have a comprehension of the fact that that's what our brain is for. Um, there was many other ideas as to what it might be. Um, most of them were very wrong. And uh, so they speak about the heart, and again, it comes back to the sound of the guitar in a way that's bigger than um, you know, something that can be isolated. Um, so let's consider for a second what it means to train our hearts. Psalm 119.11, a very familiar verse, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. And even in our modern understanding of heart and mind, we still have a lot of language that kind of like blurs the lines or confuses it. Like you might say, oh yeah, I know the lyrics to that song we just sang by heart. Um, or a lot of things we say like that that really are implying memory and retaining and owning something and kind of knowing it well, um, we still say that and speak of it as our hearts. Um, kind of this interesting, like still somewhat misleading if you want to get really scientific. It's like, well, that's not even right. And yet it speaks to something far bigger than memories stored in our neurons. Um, it's far more holistic. Um, I, I was talking to Doug about this briefly, about what it means to know something by heart, and he mentioned uh, Mary, the mother of Jesus. And if you recall, Jesus was born, and he was growing up, and he was 12 years old, and they took him to the temple, and there was the whole scenario of him uh, staying behind and spending time at the temple. And he said, I had to be at my father's house and about my father's business. And they return, and then after all these things, as Mary is, is observing Jesus growing up and going from a child to a young man and et cetera, it says that she stored, stored up all these things and treasured them in her heart. Um, a beautiful way of thinking about not forgetting the good that we've seen and experienced, the encounters we've had. Uh, and there again, I think that's one of the foundational, fundamental principles or things that we need to be doing as a, a Christ-following community. And you see this exemplified in Israel's history in the book of Psalms that when we gather to sing, we gather to remember so we don't forget because we do forget. Um, I, I would just love to see someday, I don't know if this will come about in a short amount of time or a long amount of time, when we could stand together and sing a song that was written from the stories of the people that are here. I just think that would be such a beautiful thing. I and mean, that really is the pattern and what we see detailed in Scripture. If you look at David's Psalms and other Psalms that are contained there, they're the story of God's faithfulness to the children of Israel, very detailed even, pointing to specific places and times and actions where God expressed his love, his power, and his strength and his favor to his people and his children. Um, so when we gather and when we sing, we remember lest we forget. I'm encouraged by the, uh, the number of times that I see scripture being embraced and chased after in our community. Uh, I think of the 4440 that Dave is leading. I know it's not the first time it's been done. Um, if you remember back in the summer, there was a number of younger folks, I don't know if I can name all of them, that are um, with another person choosing to read through the Bible completely and really just valuing spending time with the Word of God and there's not another way to do it to get it to sink into our hearts, you know? We have to spend the time. If you think about things that you've learned and memorized, um, 
it takes some time. It takes presence um, to allow it to, so- to soak in. It's one of the things, again, I love about um, being able to spend time seeking God's heart through music is because so much of the truth and the beauty of Scripture is contained or articulated in the songs that we sing. And music is a beautiful memory agent. Um, you mentioned your aunt, and it's um, one of the things that's used in young children and very, very old folks um, to be helpful in memorization and retaining memories. Uh, musical, music is just such a beautiful tool in that way. So another truth emerges as we consider encountering the truth of God in his word or in other means, it in many ways demands or evokes a response. There's this action to it. We could all sit here, and Jaden kind of spoke to this, but we could talk about what this means, and we could think about this, and we could debate words and their origins and their meanings and different languages and translations, and we could get all into those details. And there's a lot of fascinating things to be discovered in that. I'm not trying to say that that is (coughs) unnecessary or unhelpful, but um, there is a call to action when we gather as the body of Christ to join our voices together, and as Jaden said, to be unified and to boldly and strongly proclaim the truth of who God is and what he's done. You know, don't take my word for it. You know, embrace it, experience it yourself, and join together. Let's all lift up the Hosanna shout. And so as we think about training our hearts and feeding on the word of God, let's look again at the words of Jesus. So moving on to a different story, this one's in Matthew in the 12th chapter, where Jesus heals a man who was both blind and mute. And... Once again, just as before, it turns into a confrontation with the Pharisees, and they're trying to make the claim that Jesus' power comes from the underworld, from the devil, from evil forces. They're trying to say, you're doing this because you are empowered by a demon or etc. And he's going to refute that, and he does. And then as he, as he makes that clear and makes his uh, rebuttal of that, He begins to talk about what comes out of us and our actions and our abilities are connected to our hearts. And he says, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. Very indicative of the fact that what we are giving our time to and ourselves to and what we are allowing our minds to soak in and entertain is going to be what's present within us. That could be a great reality. That could be a a challenging reality to consider. What is it that we're feeding our hearts and our minds with? David, who we know as a man after God's own heart, um, has just prayer after prayer after prayer and song of praise after song of praise recorded for us in the Psalms, um, has some that I just want to highlight a few of them. And some of these are kind of going to be contained in the songs we're going to sing, which is kind of fun. Um, Psalm 139, 23, and 24. Again, the posture of desiring to be made clean and brought near to God. He speaks and he says, search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts and see if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. I think of what Alfredo and Brandy just shared about 
the process of submitting yourself to God and him changing our hearts and forming our hearts and desiring to continue in that and to be led in, in the way that God truly desires for us. Um, here's another prayer, Psalm 19, verse 14. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. This is one of those prayers. There is never a bad time to let that come out of your mouth. Um, I love when you discover prayers like that that are, are something that causes us to consider carefully what's in our hearts and the direction that we're heading, whether it's subconsciously or, or, or on purpose or whatever. This is one that we've used in our house church, and um, it's one I feel like a kid can learn and pray it, and it can be an honest and beautiful prayer, even for a very young mind that maybe doesn't understand things like sanctification and justification and some of the bigger words that we get into in our Bibles that those of us who have been in the church for a long time can take for granted comprehending some of those larger, more difficult concepts. So let's consider another thing that's brought to light in Scripture. And, and by the way, there are so many references in the Bible of the word heart. It's just quite overwhelming. It's depending on how you specifically define it, we're talking thousands. It's ridiculous. <laughs> I went through and I found more and more and more and realized there's no way we could even touch a small fraction of all the places. Uh, uh, but let's look at one more aspect yet here. The fact that our hearts can be focused or placed somewhere. Um, it speaks to, to desire and intent. And Paul talks about this in the book of Colossians and he says, since then, You've been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God and set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. And again, I feel like it's one of the beautiful things that happens when the body of Christ gathers. It's a purposeful action. It's a choice that we can make to give ourselves to truth, to give ourselves to God's reality, and to kind of be washed in the truth and to move from the things that are constantly coming against us to try and deter us from really living fully into that. Um, I've heard a description before, maybe I've said it, um, that worshiping God in many ways is like taking a shower in the truth. Um, and I find that just to be a helpful metaphor to remember that in the times when I don't feel qualified to lead because of my heart attitude of that week or what have you, that I need to stand and I need to speak words of truth and life to my own heart and proclaim who God is regardless of how I feel. Uh, it's a beautiful thing to be able to enter into that in obedience and allow God's grace and mercy to flow in a way that they can't flow when we disqualify ourselves and refuse to confess and enter in. Jesus speaks to the reality as well of our hearts being in a location or a place when he talks about um, the Sermon on the Mount and he's, he's warning against the inevitable force and effect of entropy and decay and he says, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So we have this call to be hopeful and forward-facing and so sometimes it means getting our eyes from looking at our own feet and our own difficulty and perhaps the mud we're stuck in to looking up to something that's more beautiful and more uh, hope-filled than our situations. And it doesn't mean 
that we pretend they don't exist. It doesn't mean we don't feel pain. Um, rather, we have a hope that we can look to and turn to. I know for myself, and I'll, I'll just share real briefly, I know I've spoken this before a while back, one of the most formative times for my own heart was in a process just like that when my wife Carrie was um, suddenly needing to go to the hospital because, we didn't know it immediately at the time, but because a vessel had ruptured within her brain. She was seven months pregnant at the time and suddenly gets this severe onset headache and terrible neck pain. Um, we literally were at house church when this occurred. Um, it was right after it was over and 911 was called, she went to the hospital. It ended up being nearly a month the first time around and on high alert with everything and then they did a C-section for my son Tate five weeks early. Um, thank, thankfully he did incredibly well, didn't even go to the NICU and God was favorable but then following that a month later they did an embolization treatment and they did a second and then they did a third um, about a month apart and then they did a fourth and then the day after the fourth they did a complete full-on like 12-14 hour brain surgery to remove the problem area and it was one of those times when you know your world and the things that you're comfortable and you rest in and you feel like are going to be there is just shattered like a glass and you're left wondering how's this going to end what's going to happen are we going to be okay is there going to be a we at the end of this and it rips your heart open and i can't say i wish i could but i can't say that i continually walked in the things i'm encouraging you in now but sometimes i did and there was life and there was hope in that and i'll never forget someone else mentioned it i think it was steve there are songs that bring tears to my eyes to this day because I can picture where I was and what I felt and the certain parameters and circumstances that surrounded those times in terms of what was about to happen and we were wondering what the next step was going to bring. And it was a time when I saw the body of Christ specifically at Renew, but not only at Renew, kind of like Cindy was saying, it's bigger than us, rise up and carry us on their shoulders because we could have never done it alone. Uh, it was a beautiful expression of the body of Christ, demonstrating the love in very tangible ways. And it taught me things about responding to the Father in the midst of great pain and uncertainty. That some of those lessons you simply can't really fully learn and embrace until you walk that mile in those shoes. Uh, there's a lot more to the story, but I'm going to leave it right there and, uh, and continue on. So again, thinking of why is it that we sing together? I want to go back to the song, Come Thou Fount. There's a phrase in that that I love, um, and it says this, tune my heart to sing thy grace. Recognizing that, you know, we can be continually refined as we walk through the difficulties of life, the ups and the downs, um, and as we give ourselves to God, he will tune our hearts, he will change our hearts. Um, there's a whole bunch of scriptures that speak to those things. We're not gonna look at a bunch of them this morning. Um, Another a song that we're going to sing, um, another phrase that I've clung to in recent uh, months even that says, I may be weak, but your spirit is strong in me, and my flesh may fail, but my God never will. My God, you never will. And if we look at Psalm 73, we see where at least some of these thoughts are coming from. Psalm 73, verse 26 says, my flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Um, I don't know about you, but I need that continual reminder that my anchor and my hope is in Christ. 
because I'm so prone to want to believe or find it elsewhere um, because there are little lies that lead me to chase things. But we need to be drawn back as the body of Christ to not only remember but to celebrate. It's huge, you know? We can't really appreciate the goodness of the gospel unless we recognize what we are without it, you know? J.R. has a great way of saying it. I couldn't quote it off the top of my head, but it's something to that effect of recognizing the goodness of God in light of or perhaps the absence of light of what we would be without him. In the book of Romans, we have a charge, and I was thinking of it, Jaden, as you were talking and sharing your thoughts. Thank you so much for that. I appreciate your courage. That was awesome. Um, in the book of Romans, chapter 15, verse 5, um, this is something that for me has helped define what it means to be the body of Christ and what, our, what should occur and what is occurring when we gather and we sing together. Um, there was a ministry I was a part of um, years and years ago. I don't know what it would be now, 18, 20 years maybe. And this was kind of the, the fundamental anchor point that we kind of went back to. It was a ministry comprised of many different churches and young adults and youth that came together um, simply to seek the Father's heart. And uh, it says this. I know you can read, but I'll read it for you. May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you a spirit of unity among yourselves as you follow Christ Jesus so that with one heart and mouth we can glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. So Renew, I hope this can be our prayer in an ongoing and a forward-facing way that uh, this is our desire, this is our intent. I know we come and we are a diverse group and we are young and old and we come from many places. Um, but Paul is telling us here, he's reminding us that as we submit ourselves to the leading of the Holy Spirit and to the gospel, that we will be unified. And there's, there's so many more things I could get into, but one of the things that that points to is that there is testimony and there is evangelism as we gather and sing. You know, what we're pro proclaiming makes a difference. As Cindy led us in that prayer earlier of speaking life and speaking truth and speaking hope, we are called to carry that message. Uh, as we sing, that can simply be a simple training opportunity to embrace what the reality of that is. Um, let it sink into our hearts so it can flow out, a pipe, not a bucket. Um, so the cool thing about getting the opportunity to share my heart with you and then sing together is we get to like, do the both and. <laughs> like sometimes you think, okay, well, this is what I want you to do this week as you go out from here. Like, no, the next part is now. <laughs> We're gonna stand and sing together. Okay, so let me pray for us and then would you, uh, would you sing with me? God, thank you that you have brought us together today. Thank you that you know us intimately and you desire us to continually come even with dirty hands and impure hearts, knowing that when we confess and offer ourselves to you, you will wash us clean and receive us. You will allow us to be clothed in the righteousness of Christ. God, I pray that you would stir in each of our hearts by your Holy Spirit and remind us of our identity 
in you because we are made whole, we are made new, and we are restored and healed because of who you are and what you've done. God, thank you for the invitation to lift our voice and to celebrate your goodness. I pray that you would continue to expand our view and our understanding of what it means to bless your name and to edify the body through song and music. In your name I pray, amen.